Welcome back to the Exit Interview Podcast, episode number 24. I'm your host, TJ Shark. Thank you for joining me. Hopefully you enjoyed your weekend. If you listened to last week's episode, this week it's going to kind of piggyback off of it a little bit. Uh, I mentioned the ideas uh, that I wanted to do for this one, and it was questioning really the, the 9 to 5 Monday through Friday work week. If you follow the Exit Interview podcast, I appreciate you, and I hope that you continue, and I hope that I provide value, but then you know really what my inspiration was for starting this, and it's really to be a sounding board, a uh, uh, an ear to listen to problems and work through these problems that arise from a 9 to 5 traditional work week dealing with bosses and managers and and co-workers and uh, if you are very unsatisfied with your current position the power to make some change so what I did is I did some research on really where the nine to five started and why we still do it today so that's what I'm going to get into in this week's podcast and hopefully it's very educational, but then also if if you're feeling some of these things, some of the things that I talk about on the exit interview podcast about, you know, not being able to bring things up to your boss, not being able to work from home, not being able to work that, that free schedule that you want, man, let's, let's change it. It, It's gotta be, it's gotta be changed, right? So I would just ask yourself to say, you know, ask yourself a question and say, well, what am I doing to make any change in these things that I'm not happy with. And as I said in my very first episode, this podcast was going to be very much about self-awareness and putting that to the test of, if you're not happy with something, can we inspire and actually take action in in creating the future that we want to see? So I'm just going to leave that there. You can... Take that how you want, uh, but without further ado, I really want to dive into this and uh, talk about the origins of the 9 to 5 and why it's probably obsolete in today's workforce and why it might work against employees. So here we go. So I've been doing some, some research, as I said, on the traditional 9 to 5 work week, why it doesn't work, where it came from, and all that good stuff. I've identified uh, two articles that I like to share, and one of them I might just read straight through because it's it it's well written, and I think it gets a lot of the the good points across. So the first one that I'm going to share is called it's from QZ.com, Quartz at Work, and it's the nine to five workday isn't hated, it's obsolete, and it's by Catherine Goffney. Uh, back in, let's see, beginning of last year, 2018. Does anyone like the modern workday? Getting out of bed and to the office by 8 in the morning, staying until 5, 5 days a week with 2 rest days, then back at it again every week. Do we really like that? Does that really work for us? Because we sure do complain about it a lot. It's embedded in the language we use around an office and when talking about offices, we see it stamped on oversized coffee mugs and repeatedly, endlessly in movies 
in TV shows. So it's repeated endlessly in movies and TV shows. Everyone hates Mondays, Wednesdays hump day, and thank God it's Friday. And what about staying in the office for eight hours or nine hours straight? Given that the afternoon slump is a thing, I'd say there's you know, many people who find it very challenging. Most Americans report that they're generally satisfied with their jobs, and yet, at least based on our language, we hate going to work. Could it be that we see the schedule as immutable, that we don't even consider it when assessing our job satisfaction? Thankfully, the modern workday is not immutable. It's simply the standard most people living know. And while it may have served well in the past, that's not a compelling reason to keep it around. Think of it like landlines or black and white televisions or lead-based fuels. The modern or the birth of the modern workday. The modern workday is an invention of the 19th century socialism. Yes, you read that correctly. If you grew up as this author did in the suburbs of Detroit, you might believe that Henry Ford invented the 9 to 5 work week, but he just simply didn't. He just uh, influenced it. So true, he was influential in it and with mass acceptance, but the real inventors and champions of the 8-hour work week workday were the American labor unions of the 1800s. Back then, there was no limit to the hours that employees could demand of their employee or their employers could demand of their employees. And factory workers especially could be looking at over 100 hours a week. This included children. It wouldn't be until the early 20th century when child labor laws started getting on the books. Sixty years and several uh, riots later, as Congress was starting to mandate eight-hour workdays for certain sectors, the Ford Motor Company instituted a mandatory five-day work week with eight-hour workdays. Twelve years later, Congress finally accepted or finally caught up with the Times ratifying the Fair Labor Standard Acts in 1938. So this first stab at sweeping federal level labor law banned the hiring of children under 16, set the work week at 44 hours per week, and mandated a minimum wage of 25 cents per hour. It also was seen as a revolutionary, or so revolutionary, that the Supreme Court almost blasted it right back at FDR's desk. Evidently, the bill's harshest opponents were concerned that eliminating child labor, banning extreme working hours, and creating a minimum wage would destroy America's industrial competitiveness. However, like the man who signed it, the bill endured a lot longer than anyone expected, and in 1940, it was even stricter or made stricter by Congress. The work week was set at 40 hours per week, which may have had something to do with the fact that 44 doesn't divide evenly by 5. The official work week has been 40 hours ever since, and for many years, it worked very well. So how work has changed since 1940? 
nearly 80 years after the work week was signed into law, many things have changed. One of the biggest is the gender makeup of the corporate landscape. There are far more working moms today than there were in the 1940s. Families with young children make up two-fifths of all American families, and 61% of those are families where both parents are employed. It's no longer the case that dads go off to work while moms stay at home with the kids. Often both parties are pursuing careers. Technology, meanwhile, makes it easier to do work anywhere. Two-thirds of American adults own smartphones and over 70% have either a desktop computer or a laptop at home. It's no longer completely necessary to be in the office at all times in order to be productive. And 43% of workers say they would or they work from home at least sometimes. So it's also no longer quite so necessary for everyone to be on shift all at the same time. While the number of manufacturing jobs in the U.S. was on the rise in the 40s, it has declined significantly since the 80s. Trends like cloud computing also making it possible for people in traditional office jobs to work efficiently without sitting shoulder to shoulder in an office. So why do we still accept the 9 to 5? First of all, it's now more of an 8 to 5, though that can depend on where you live. The short answer to why we still accept it is because we're socialized to it. We've become so used to seeing people hating Mondays and living for Fridays. And um, and despising early mornings that it has all become normal. We accept a standard work schedule to be a hassle, and so when it is, we think of it as really nothing. And while there may be plenty to dislike about the 8-5 to workday, it would be hard to argue it's all bad. The original 8-hour workday was proposed to create a balance of sorts. In a day of 24 hours, the idea was that a balanced life should have 8 hours to sleep, 8 hours to work, and 8 hours for recreation. That's definitely something to be said, or there's definitely something to be said, for having a set time to work and a set time to stop working and do something else. While technology offers us all greater freedom from our desk, it also shackles us more tightly to our jobs. With so much work now being email-based and so many companies now using cloud computing instead of traditional servers, it's harder than ever to actually leave the office. Since, uh, Since technology is here to stay, it will fall to managers and employees to work out workplace boundaries and expectations regarding when work should begin and end. There are many ways to divide 40 hours. One method is known as the 549 compressed schedule. Over a period of two weeks, employees work nine hour days, or I'm sorry, work eight nine hour days in one eight hour day. This could manifest as working Monday through Friday at 9 hours and then working a shortened day the first Friday and taking the second Friday off. 
Another is the 410 schedule, wherein employees work four 10-hour workdays, resulting in a three-day work weekend. Nurses often, or I'm sorry, well, actually, nurses and other healthcare providers are no stranger to strange schedules, with many a typical work week consisting of three 12-hour shifts leading leading the other four days open and and free. It says leading, but it's leaving the other four days open and free. Uh, but working 12 hours straight admittedly isn't for everyone. And in the end, that's what this whole thing comes down to. There is no single schedule that is right for everyone. But thanks to advances in technology, telecommunication, uh, and automation, it's easier than ever for managers and companies to look at their employees as individuals and work out systems that make sense for their unique circumstances. Hmm, that kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? If you, <laughs> if you listen to anything I talk about. It's the way of the future, and it's much easier to change than one might think. So there you go. That was the article in its totality, and it brought up a lot of good points. Obviously, as you can see, one of my favorites was the, the culmination at the end of we, we are all our own individuals and we're all under unique circumstances. So why not find something that works for each individual? Now, granted, that could be a little tricky when you have a large corporation with a lot of employees. You, know, you can't have all you know, 1,000 employees working all their own unique schedule. However, I think there could be flex schedules created within companies that are maybe like a set of three or four different options, and people from different circumstances can pick one of those four options. And then you just kind of have, you know, your, your funnels of the people that work in the A schedule, B schedule, C, or D schedule. So I think there's ways to change this. It just, it's never going to change unless you have, I would say, strength in numbers. So uh, as I said at the beginning, there's another uh, article that I'd like to share, which is called the 9 to 5 myth, why a regular schedule works against employees. This uh, article is from Upwork.com back in 2018. Isaac Cohen wrote this article. And I'm going to kind of skim through it real quick because it does touch on some of the points that I said about, uh, you know, kind of where the traditional nine to five work week became into prominence with Henry Ford uh, and the Industrial Revolution. So I'm going to go over this section that he has in here, changing attitudes towards the, the nine to five. So while the nine to five schedule has persisted for generations, the tide has been shifting for years particularly as a result of millennials and their priorities. A 2013 study by, re, uh, by research and consulting firm Millennial Branding found that 45% of millennials prioritize workplace flexibility over pay when choosing an employer. And if they're unhappy, millennials are faster to leave for greener pastures than older generations of workers leaving employers with expensive turnover costs. And that's very true. 
The change in attitude is no longer limited to just millennials, however. According to a 2017 career builder survey, more than three in five U.S. workers say the traditional nine-to-five workday is an idea of the past. In certain cities, including Washington, D.C., Boston, Los Angeles, and New York, the rate was higher. Surprisingly, the age group most likely to call 9 to 5 outdated was 45 to 55 year olds, followed by people ages 55 plus. That's very interesting. Normally, you would think that it would be the younger generation, right? The younger generation that wants to, you know, work for something more than just a paycheck, right? Just as the, the research showed that the, what is it, 40%, 45% of millennials prioritize workplace flexibility over pay when choosing an employer. Uh, I think there's a lot of other factors too that they would choose uh, probably a lesser paycheck because of the, the actual work that they're doing and a whole other host of factors. But the fact that an older generation, 45 to 55, or actually 45 plus, also feel that 9 to 5 is obsolete. Why are ideas changing? Perhaps the shift is related to changing workforce demands and the technology that keeps us consistently connected. For most people, work and communication don't stop when they leave the office. In the same career builder survey, Nearly half of the workers said they keep working after hours and more than half said they check and respond to emails outside of work. Or it could simply be that technology advancements have embedded or enabled organizations to become more flexible with work schedules. How workers are most productive. So second part of this article it's no secret that employees spend some of their workday doing things completely unrelated to work. According to a 2016 survey of nearly 2,000 UK office workers, non-work-related activities may consume more time than work. The survey found that the average employee works about three out of the eight hours. That's, that's pretty crazy. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty large number. I mean, I think we've all been been in that situation before where you know you get some of your work done and you might jump on Facebook you might you know read an article here or there or you might you know go by the old water cooler and and talk about you know last night's game or the episode of game or game of thrones or whatever it is but when you add all that up i mean i could see that being possible and, and it's not that that's a bad thing either i mean i think it comes down to just results driven a little bit I mean, I think it definitely is. I mean, that's every, what everybody wants, right? If you can get your work done and provide the results and you can just do it in two hours versus eight hours, more power to you, then do it. But that's a fine line because, you know, I'm coming from a background of sales where, I, I mean, in my opinion, sales is the engine that drives any company and it's the most important role because it creates revenue. And if you're not creating revenue for a business, then you're not a business. However, these are the ones that get scrutinized the most. And it might it's really the hardest job because you're at the mercy of... It's very hard to predict, right? There's no uh, blueprint 
on how to sell something to somebody else. There's theories and you know it, it's it's very hard to perfect and to do it the right way. I mean, I've seen it done probably 20 to 30 different ways in my short career and I'm only 31. So you know, it's just what I'm getting at is just looking at people as numbers. That's what I want to get away from, right? I've been let go of an organizations before because my numbers were like middle of the road. You know, they weren't the worst. I've always been kind of an average salesperson, uh, but you know, I've been let go when I know that I've checked off so many other boxes for the organization being, you know, a great employee and, and doing certain, you know, other things, but because my numbers were just, meh, they were okay. I was, I was let go. So that there's a fine line between being results driven that, you know, and then going too far and saying, well, your results aren't there. So you're out of here. Um, so that's, that's a conversation for another time. Uh, but where was I? I was talking about uh, oh yeah, the average employee works about three out of the eight hours. The rest of the time, they're busy reading news, scrolling through social media, socializing, eating, taking smoke breaks, and even searching for new jobs. <laughs> uh, with those findings, while those findings may not be representative of all companies, they highlight the fact that simply being physical present in the office for long periods of time doesn't mean employees are actually working for long periods of time. There's no direct correlation. In fact, science increasingly suggests that people aren't designed to work for long stretches of time without breaks. One study suggests that attention spans wane significantly after 20 minutes. This stuff I really like. I like when you get into the kind of the the neurological, um, the science behind the human brain, how it works, attention spans, things like that. So significantly after 20 minutes, uh, necessitating at least a five-minute break, and others suggest far short, shorter attention spans. As Kay Anders Erickson, an expert on the psychology of work, told Business Insider, if you're pushing people well beyond that time, they can really concentrate maximally. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Maximally. <laughs> like maximizing. But max, I, I can't say it. I don't know why I can't even say that word right now. Uh, you're likely, or you're very likely to get them to acquire some bad habits. So basically what he's saying is, you know, when you push somebody beyond that 20-minute attention span without any breaks and just have them push through that proverbial wall, you're probably more likely to develop bad habits and not get the productivity that you're, you're seeking. How to offer flexibility without sacrificing productivity. Companies of all sizes are experiencing with shorter hours and more flexible schedules. Amazon started testing 30-hour work weeks for a select group of employees in 2016, and a number of companies are experimenting with 32 hours and finding that productivity remains the same or even increases. Other companies are not, 
putting restrictions on time at all, measuring by performance only. For flexible schedules to work, it's crucial to have talent you can trust. Vet new talent thoroughly and actually check references to find out more detailed information about the person's work habits, productivity, if at all possible. And that wraps up the article there. Uh, Brings up a lot of interesting points. One of my favorites being the fact that every individual is their own unique person and they need to be motivated their own unique way and they're most productive in their own unique peak hours. So in order to have a very productive workforce, it's not only in identifying the right individuals to, to hire, but it's also taking those right individuals and leading them, managing them the right way in identifying really where are their peak productive hours or how are they, uh, what are their strengths and how are we able to leverage those strengths in order to make them the most productive employee possible. Too many times do I see just, you know, managers and leaders kind of do a blanket uh, type style, you know, Maybe they're old school and and they've been at another company before and they said, hey, this worked and they just want to deploy that in their new company. doesn't always work. I'll use a sports analogy. Some of the most successful coaches in football are the ones that are able to identify the talent that they have and adapt their game plan to that. Because on the flip side, I see it all the time. The ones that aren't successful are the ones that come in and say, hey, I'm traditionally a guy that loves to run the ball, and that's what we're going to do with this team. And it's like, well, you know, do you have the same offensive line that you had in the previous team that was successful? I mean, is that offensive line going to be able to open up those gaps? Is your running back going to be able to hit those gaps? Uh, does your quarterback, is he able to throw it accurately downfield in order to threaten that, that deep pass? So then the defense has to play that too to where then it will open up the run. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into those kind of things that I've just seen so many coaches fail over the years where they just, you know, hey, I'm this type of play caller, I'm this type of coach, and this is what we're going to do. And it's like, well, no, dude, you got to adapt your play style to your talent that you have. So this is something that I preach a lot uh, in business, and in the things that I'm doing, like for Force for Humanity, as you've heard me talk, it's about individuality. It's about treating people as the human beings they are in the office place, not just as a number or a means to make money or a means to uh, to job security for managers, right? Uh, so I'm going to kind of cap it off there without getting on my, my soapbox, but you know me by now. You know that I'm very passionate about this, and uh, I truly believe that the 9 to 5 system is broken, and we need to do something about it, because we need to be treated as individuals in the workplace, and we need to be valued more in the workplace. So if you agree with that, you know, please uh, keep on consuming my content. I really appreciate the people out there that do. Uh, respond. Give me your thoughts. Uh, and you know, I'd love to hear them. I'd love to share them on the podcast though. So, uh, thanks a lot. Have a great week and, uh, see you guys later.
All right, so that concludes episode number 24. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you found it valuable. And as always, if you want to share your thoughts, want to share other tips and things that you have, or you have any ideas for an episode, or you'd even like to join me to talk about some of the things that are going on in your professional life uh, and how you're being treated at work, whether it's an amazing story that you'd like to share or uh, you know, an issue that you're working through, I'd really love to hear from you. You can hit me up on uh, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook at the Exit Interview Podcast, or LinkedIn at the Shark 216 or Orange Shark Media. Thanks a lot. You guys have a great week.